Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, I have Rahul here from Connecticut, and Alex, I believe you're in Massachusetts now, is that correct? I am indeed. That's good. I missed last week's episode. Sorry about that, but I'm glad to be back, guys. And let's jump right into this week with transfers. Alex, I hear you have a lot of information for us. So to open with the Chelsea transfers, the rumor mill has been swirling as always. First up, let's go with a name that I think we all might be getting a little tired of hearing. Links between Chelsea and Declan Rice, the West Ham captain, 22 years old, uh, if I'm correct, He has been lately continuing his impressive level of dedication towards trying to get a Chelsea move. I believe he was making a combined five-a-side team with Chelsea and West Ham players. It included himself, Mason Mount, N'Golo Conte, Kai Havertz, and I believe Antonio. And at the end, he made a comment along the lines of, I would pay great money to play in that team, which I think says it all. So clearly Declan wants to come back home. If he arrives, I'll fully support him. But until then, uh, I think I'm just going to let this one rest and let that saga keep continuing. Next up, Erling Holland. Uh, not too much specific news on this front, but we have heard from Fabrizio Romano that Chelsea are set to sign a striker this summer. So unclear who that could be. There are a few top class options available, but I'm still absolutely personally pulling for the Holland hype train. I think he'd be a fantastic addition. Next up, we've got Sancho to United. Jaden has finally made the move to Old Trafford. Uh, I think any Red Devils, I'm not sure how many would be listening, but anyone who might be listening for whatever reason will be very pleased with this one. So that's a long-awaited move. It's confirmed. I think this is going to be a serious weapon in their arsenal. Um, And that might just be the transfer that, continues our bit of a bogey streak against man united so i'm hoping our boys can overcome them um but he makes them very dangerous and speaking of dangerous now we have psg who grabbed hakimi uh to the dismay of many chelsea fans now look to be scooping up ramos and donnarumma so they have seriously upgraded their defense i suppose hakimi also carries an attacking threat but Jean-Luigi Donnarumma, Sergio Ramos, and Hakimi, that, those are three big, big, big names to be adding to an already stacked team. So this really, I mean, if they're serious, this has to be uh, at least a, a Ligue 1 title for PSG and another great Champions League push. I think they need to bring it home. Uh, finally, actually not even finally, we've got Mbappe who is refusing to sign a new deal as of right now. Who knows where his future is going to lie? Maybe it'll be like a messy situation where there's a drama and he stays. Maybe he's open to uh, going on his next little adventure. And now finally, technically, Lionel Messi has not re-signed his contract with Barcelona. So for any clubs out there, now might be your time to swoop in and grab him. Wages might be a little hefty, though. Yeah, that's some fun-filled transfer information you have for us, Alex. But I have a quick question for you. With Mbappe not signing, we've had this discussion before. Is it Mbappe to Chelsea or is it Holland to Chelsea for you? Holland any day. Easy. Especially because, and I, I won't fault him because he does have the skills to back this up, Mbappe seems to be developing a bit of an ego. 
Um, I think we've noticed that with this time with the French national team, people noted interestingly that he, after he missed his penalty, no French players seem to be going over to console him. Um, I think it's quite clear that he's certainly developed a bit of a, a bit of an ego uh, due to his success, which who can really blame you winning the World Cup for your country as a teenager? Um, but he needs to keep his head on his shoulders. I think between the high price, obviously that's going to be high for both, but between the fee, the drama, um, and possibly the, the dressing room cohesion, I think we want to make for Erling Holland, who I personally see as almost, you know, I've never made this comparison before. Maybe this won't sound as smart out loud, but if you think about Cristiano Ronaldo, how he's adapted his role over time and turned from a really skilly wide player into a seriously dangerous physical aerial threat striker, I see Erling Holland almost in that secondary Cristiano Ronaldo role, brilliantly fast, aerial strength but younger and ready to tear up the league so i think he'd be a great signing yeah high praise there coming for holland rahul are you on the same page as alex there before you move on to the euros i am and when alex made the point about mbappe's ego I think, uh, i've noticed that too over the last month or so with the french national team uh, specifically with his issues with Giroud and not passing to him uh, i think he needed this humbling with the mess of the, uh, of the penalty uh, and For me, I think Holland, uh, we've been after him for a while and we may as well just bring it home and, and push through on the efforts that we started for a while. And, and a funny story or a fact, I think we saw this on the Chelsea Pulse account. The last time that Man United took a winger from Dortmund, which was Mkhitaryan, Chelsea went on to win the Premier League. So I'll just leave it right there. I know what you guys have heard about the Mr. Bean face that Rahul likes to reference, <laughs> but I'll just leave it right there. Rahul, why don't you jump right into the Euros? Because it was definitely fun-filled this past week. It, it definitely was. And the quarterfinals kicked off with Spain versus Switzerland. Uh, a game on paper that Spain should have won. And in fact, they did take the lead. Uh, but Switzerland came back and it ended 1-1 after 90 minutes. And uh, a fair result, you'd say, uh, based on how things were going. And then in extra time, neither team could get the the goal that would win it. So it went to penalties. And uh last episode was called summer madness and I, i remember texting you and alex during this game and saying that that's continuing because jan summer was just on fire uh, unfortunately his team couldn't put away their penalties uh, which meant that spain went on to win 3-1 uh, and progress to the semifinals yeah big big result for spain i mean we talked about a few episodes ago that they're fairly young spanish squad and Maybe they needed a tournament or two to move forward, but I think this is maybe a catalyst to do something great. And of course, they face Italy in the next round, which is a huge game for them. And Alex, I'll bring you right in to talk about the Spain-Switzerland score and if you have any information on that one, because you've been backing Italy all the way through. Yeah, I think Italy's going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're going to be a huge, huge test for Spain. But even with this young squad that we've been referencing, we've got good old Cesar Azpi, Our, our main man, El Capitan, is leading the back. I think he's been doing fantastically well. And this is a Spain team that has found their form at the right time. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's something I'd referenced, I think, in either a prior episode or when talking to people. Everyone was getting on them for, frankly, their very boring and lackluster performances early in the Euros. But when it comes down to it, 
you need to qualify for the knockout stages and then progress past your opponents. And they've come together. They have found the goals. They got through on pens, but it doesn't really matter because they're sitting here in the semis and they got the job done. So full credit to them. I'm still pulling for Italy there, but I think that's going to be a massive, massive game and a big test for both sides. Yeah, for sure. Why don't we just jump right into the Italy game? Because Rahul, they had probably on paper the favorites to win the championship in Belgium because Belgium do have an incredible attacking lineup. And I say that because you were very critical of their defense, right? It was, and I, I was proven right because their defending in this game was uh, pretty suspect, at least for the two, two goals, the first goal in itself. Uh, and in fact, before that first goal, they conceded a goal that was ruled out by VAR. So Italy came out and it, it, Italian teams in the past have been known for their defense and just sitting back and, uh, you know, keeping it tight. But this team came out and came up firing, wanted to score the goals, take the game to Belgium. That's what they did and went 2-0 up. Uh, a goal from Chiellini, I believe, and then Insigne uh, getting, it, getting the goal. And uh, that was a fabulous bend into the far corner from him. Uh, and then obviously Belgium pulled one back from a dodgy penalty call. Uh, but they get 2-1 and going into halftime, and then you think, all right, now Belgium have enough in the in the tank and in the attack, like you said, to get it done. But one thing led to another, and they just couldn't. Uh, and Italy, rightly so, deservedly so, went through. And Jorginho, our boy, Alex mentioned Aspie in the Spain game. Jorginho, our boy, was flawless in this game. And uh, you're seeing that when you have the right players around him in midfield, he flourishes and he does well. So... Uh, it's a good thing for Tuchel to see, not that he's got it wrong with him, uh, but going forward, going into the new season, having Jorginho at that base and then the right players around him is great. Yeah, excellent points there. And just a quick correction was Nicola Barella. That's Barella. That first goal, yeah. And, you know, credit to Jorginho. I think, Alex, you've been a big praise of Jorginho towards the latter half of the season, and he's been excellent. But I want to talk to you about a certain player that you have scouted on this particular match and that's doku you want to tell us a little bit about him i i i do have to (laughs) take my uh critical acclaim here uh i i was personally quite proud of the fact that i discovered jeremy doku of belgium two games before he became truly mainstream now my my joking post uh claiming that i had officially discovered him as a player was quickly filled with mentions of people saying that they discovered him in FIFA and football (laughs) manager and, oh, they're French, so they've heard of him, which, you know, congratulations, but all I'm saying is I'm a visionary. Um, So I I did mention a couple episodes ago, I said when I was watching, I believe it might have been, was it against Switzerland? I forget exactly who it was against. Uh, Finland, maybe. Uh, There was a pretty a game in which he actually didn't have much in terms of end product. He lost the ball a fair amount, but I thought he looked really bright. I'd said he was one to watch. And this game, he had the internet talking um, because he was a problem for the Italian defense. And this, you, you can clearly see why clubs are now starting to think about him on a transfer, why pundits are now saying, mm, watch out for this kid. He could be making it in the big time. Um, I mean, I'm just looking right here. He's been, his, he was born on May 27th, 2002. So he's 19 years old. He will be 19 years old for the foreseeable future. And I think this is 
still one to watch because from what I saw, he looked like he could be a seriously, seriously dangerous winger. Um, pace, speed, dribbling, his take-ons were, I think he had eight successful take-ons in the match. It was ridiculous. Yeah, definitely credit to the young man and hopefully we see him do something great in the near future here. But another player I want to talk about, Rahul, is Spinazzola. Us three have talked about him before. We didn't honestly know a lot about him before the Euros kicked off, but he seemed to have become a key player for Italy, but then did go off injured. And there were a lot of scenes after the match where they were celebrating him and cheering him on because there's a lot of team spirit going on. But is he going to be missed? I think so. He, I, for me, was one of their best players in this tournament. Uh, he, on that left side, going up and down, even getting a goal, I believe, in their first game or, or a couple of assists, uh, he was heavily involved in everything that they've been doing attacking-wise now. His replacement is our boy Emerson, so uh, not a bad replacement to have because Emerson, when given the opportunities, does perform well and can provide a good attacking uh, option. So uh, for Svenazola, obviously disappointing that he can't see it through, uh, but like you said, his teammates and his uh, coaching staff and everyone showed him the appreciation that he deserves, and I saw that he had a successful operation on his... Uh, I think it's Achilles. Yep. Um, and then Emerson gets the nod for the next game, I believe. So I did bring him into my Premier uh, Fantasy League, Emerson, uh, because I think he'll be able to provide a similar kind of output from uh, for the Italian team. Yeah, definitely credit to Emerson to come in. I think he's a good player to come in and actually pick up where Spinazzola left off. So good there. But that wraps up the first two games. And so we're going to have... An exciting kickoff, which we'll we'll talk about in a few minutes here, which is Italy versus Spain. But let's move on to the next big game that happened, and that's Czech Republic versus Denmark. So, Alex, I'll bring you in here for a second. Denmark beat the Czech Republic 2-1, and I've been calling for a fantasy run for the Danes, and it looks like they're, they're pretty close to getting into the finals now, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly have been proving their backers correct. I think this is what honestly most neutral fans and even rival fans were happy to see, especially after that Ericsson incident, they have not looked back. They've shown full support. They've got the support of their nation, the support of neutrals, and they've impressed on the pitch, which is um, the most astounding thing because they've just continued to prove everybody, I guess, wrong or right, depending on, on where you stood on them beforehand. So uh, you know, I, I maybe I need to. I'm already thinking maybe I need to be drafting some memes about the Turkey as a dark horse versus uh, Denmark as a dark horse because they truly are the embodiment of a dark horse. Um, not only coming in with pretty low expectations, I think it's fair to say, but then losing their best player and not playing uh, in that way in the slightest. I think it's been an amazing show of solidarity and just effective play from them so full congrats to them I personally hope they go all the way to the final but I know a lot of people are backing uh well backing Rahul's background there I suppose <laughs> look before we get into England Rahul I'll bring you in really quickly the Danes started off great I mean they kicked off really really well but then slowly the Czech Republic kind of crept back into that game and ended up 2-1 like we just said so there are some cracks in this fairy tale run here and if anything the Czechs have actually exposed that so should Denmark be worried for the next round I know we'll talk about that a little more in depth but I wanted to make, get your overall sense of their performance in this particular game 
I mean, they're performing for each other. I know you said they had a little bit of cracks, but you had to expect Czech Republic to come out in that second half and just throw everything at them. They got that early goal, and that from that, that point forward, Denmark were always going to be a little more defensive, playing on the counter. Uh, and if I remember right, they did have a couple of opportunities to, to see that game out in terms of scoring a one more goal or two more goals. But they held on, and our boy Christensen in this case uh, puts in a solid defensive performances like he has been doing all the tournament. Uh, and it's good for us to see our players in terms of we've spoken about Aspilicueta, we spoke about Jorginho, and now Christensen all involved and not just uh, you know on the bench or or not being uh, in these games. Although for the England game, I'll say something different for Reese James, but. Uh, it's just good to see, and one of them is going to win this tournament, which, again, is great for us as Chelsea fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely credit to see that we're seeing all these players make it that far. But before we move on, Rahul, I want you to share a quick little story about Dolberg, who is the striker for Denmark, and some information you heard that happened to him when he joined Nice. Yeah, they. He, so I heard this the other day when he scored against... Uh, I believe it was Wales and the the commentator said well he's been you know he was a, a great player young player up and coming and then he kind of fell off and he had a watch incident and I'm thinking what is he talking about so I finally googled it and it turns out he joined Nice and one of his teammates stole a 62,000 pound watch from him wow um, and I'm like well, why are you taking this watch to training? But that's a different different <laughs> question. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun fact about Dolberg who uh, many fans may already know from football manager like they know Doku. Uh, but yeah, he's a good player and he's showing it in this tournament. And I think a few teams may have their eyes on him. Yeah, that's a great point. Just like Alex scouted out Doku, if you're looking for strikers, maybe Dahlberg, Casper Dahlberg is one to keep an eye on for the summertime transfers. All right, so we've covered those games. The last game that happened this weekend was Ukraine versus England. And Alex, I'll bring you in first because there's been a lot of commentary online on the Premier Chelsea account about waistcoat football. So the game ended 4 nil to England. I want to hear your thoughts on waistcoat football first. Uh, I mean, personally, oh God, there's no way to win this one. I think this wasn't waistcoat football. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. You know what? Let's get straight to the chase. Gareth Southgate is not a competent full season manager. However, I am prepared to admit just because I know England are fully capable with the talent they have of getting through these tournaments. I mean, I was, I, I was writing this out. I knew this day would come where, where I would have to reckon <laughs> with my words. Technically only to, to win. I think it's to win the world cup. I think you can win what is it seven games and you can win the world cup or is it eight games eight or nine games something along those lines it might be eight to win the euros it's it's um it's you know what seven eight games you have to win who knows so my point is i think as a national team manager if the players believe in garrett southgate and they'll go out and perform for him as somehow the england players seem to scrape results when it matters um despite the fact that maybe they don't always do it in the most appealing way. I think this game was a good performance, frankly. I think they they did well. Uh, Jaden Sancho finally started, so I'll take some credit there because <laughs> I said 
Garrett Southgate should start him. And what do you know? They win 4 0 when he does. Um, but Raheem Sterling looked good. Um, I think Reese James, our Reese James, absolutely should have been on the right. Um, Kyle Walker did not seem to be doing a great job. But overall, I will give credit where it's due. They put in a good performance, but this was against Ukraine. I think. I think the U.S. men's national team could probably beat Ukraine on their day. I think this isn't something that you gloat about if you're England. I think you accept the win and you say, okay, we should be making the finals given how our bracket panned out. I still think if they don't make the finals, it's a disappointment. And I still do think it's player quality that carried them there because I could personally be managing England and stick Jack Grealish on the pitch and say, please make something happen. But you know what? If they believe in Gareth Southgate and he starts to listen to some feedback, puts these players out, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish gets them a little more involved. Who am I to complain? Maybe it is coming home. And I think this is the perfect example that you can be an effective national team manager. Possibly. We don't know whether they'll get to the final or win it without being a super tactically adept top class manager. I hear what you're saying. And Rahul, you've got footballs coming home as your background. Do you share similar opinions as Alex in that England are so talented that they can do it based on just talent alone? Or do you believe that the waistcoat football has anything to do with this? You know, it's an interesting point because when that waistcoat football episode came out two or three episodes ago at that, at this point, we had played, England had played uh, Croatia and won 1-0 and then they drew against Scotland. And so the, the feeling around England wasn't as positive as it is right now. Having seen what we've seen since then, a 1-0 win against Czech Republic, a 2-0 win against uh, Germany, and now they've beaten Ukraine 4-0. You've got to say that whatever Southgate was doing before and what he's changed it a little bit now in terms of putting out a few more attacking players, Jaden Sancho, for example, or he said, I'm just going to stay defensive, keep these games tight, and then I have players off the bench to throw on a Grealish, throw on a Jaden Sancho, throw on a Mason Mount, whoever I want that can turn this game for me and get me to the next stage. And he's done that. You've got to give him credit. Yes, the talent is there. You and I watched the talent in Frank Lampard, Scholes, Gerrard, Terry, Rooney, Beckham, and they never won or made it as far as this team has. And so you've got to give a little bit of credit to Gareth Southgate. I know Alex doesn't think that, but from what we've seen over the last three games since that waistcoat football episode, I think he's done the right things in terms of getting results and moving on. And in the episode Alex and I did last time around, we said, England need to score a few goals in this Ukraine game. They've scraped along 1-0, 2-0 here and there, but they need to perform and get a good few goals under their belt because then they go into Denmark and that's one game away from the final and both those games will be at Wembley. So it's technically home games for them. And they did that. So you can't fault them for, well, it was only Ukraine. You got to beat who's put in front of you and they got the goals and they're now set up to feel a little more positive and comfortable going into Denmark in terms of we believe in ourselves, we have the confidence, not saying Denmark are an easy side to beat. But I think for an England side with the talent, with Southgate pulling the strings the way he has been, you've got to feel confident and say football's coming home. Look, both of you guys make some excellent 
comments, some excellent analysis. And this is why I love doing this podcast, because I get to see both sides of the coin. I get where Alex is coming from. I get where you're coming from, Rahul. It's either way, honestly, whether you're a pro Southgate fan or an anti Southgate fan, I think at the end of the day, it's exciting to watch these crop of players come through because like Rahul touched on, we grew up watching the Lampards and the Gerrards and the Scrolls and the Beckhams and the Roonies, Owens. I mean, the list was incredible and they didn't make it this far. And in this particular game, we've got Harry Kane scoring twice, Harry Maguire scoring from the back, Jordan Henderson coming off the bench to score. So a lot to be said about England and it's exciting, but it's time to move on to the semis, guys. And it's time to talk about some massive games because now we're into the last four. And before we jump back into the England conversation, because it's really, really exciting, let's talk about Italy versus Spain. And Alex, I'm going to come back to you and start with you first. You have backed Italy all the way through. You may even say that it's your motherland to some <laughs> to some degree, but Italy versus Spain is going to be a different game altogether. Now, granted, Italy have had probably what you would describe as a tougher bracket versus maybe in England. But they are playing Spain. We did talk about a younger Spain, but what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think this is going to be one where it comes down to whether or not Spain can stop Italy doing what they have been doing. Because clearly between Jorginho, who I think has been fantastic, Verratti being amazing alongside him, and uh, the first goal scorer the last game, Nicolo Borella looking absolutely top class. Um, And even Immobile, who didn't quite get on the score sheet, but came very close last game and has been top class throughout the tournament. Italy have a system where they've got top players at each position and they know exactly what they're doing. As we've said, they're not sitting back as maybe prior Italian generations have done. I think Spain... They're coming into form at the right time, but I don't think they're defensively solid enough to fully bank on keeping out Italy. I think Spain have to actually disrupt what Italy has been doing this whole tournament. They have to disrupt Jorginho. And I think actually Azpilicueta came out with a quote about that saying that it might've been Azpilicueta. I, I, I don't know if you saw anything like this. I think he said, that Jorginho clearly is is central to what Italy is doing with his ball retention, his passing, setting the tempo of the game, retaining control, and dictating how the game flows. And I believe it was him or another Spanish player who said, we're going to need to shut that down to have a chance against Italy. I think if Spain can stop the Italy midfield from ticking, they can take this one. Um, even as much as an Italian supporter as I am, I do think Spain absolutely could take this. But... I believe that the Italian midfield is high quality enough to overcome that. So I'm still backing Italy, but honestly, I'm more confident in Italy beating England in the final, if that were to occur, than I am in them getting past Spain, because I think Spain could cause serious, serious problems. So maybe I'll eat those words for a couple reasons, but here we are and uh, we'll see what happens. No, I think that's some good analysis. And I want to quote something that I was reading online. I don't know who said this. So if someone knows who said this, please correct me. But I read that if you watch a game, you do not notice Jorginho. If you watch Jorginho, you notice the game, which to me is a very incredible and powerful saying in what he brings to a match. 
Now, Rahul, given that statement there, how critical is Jorginho to the way Italy play? And of course, Chelsea. And where do you see this game going with Spain coming into form at the right time? Hey, Jorginho, you and I have been very critical of him in the past for Chelsea. And you've got to put your hands up and say, since Tuchel's come in, which was the start of this year, he's been a different player. Yes, his defending, when you ask him to go bomb forward and then come back to defend, that's not going to work. And Mancini, the Italian manager, has realized that and has said, you know what, you sit at the base of my midfield, I'll put guys around you that can do the back and forth, and you just help me dictate play with the defenders, with the midfield and the attackers. And he's been doing that. And he's been intercepting, he's been doing the defensive side that he needs to, while knowing he's covered by his defense and his midfield partners. So I think, like Espelicueta said, and I just looked that up when Alex was saying that, he basically said, we've got to stop Jorginho to stop Italy. And that's a massive compliment to pay a player not, who's not just your club teammate, but just a t- uh, another player for an opposition team. Uh, and so coming to the game, I mean, I agree with Alex. I agree with Espelicueta. Italy are the favorites. Um, they've been doing well all tournament. They've been scoring goals. They've been keeping clean sheets. Uh, and even when they concede, they've only conceded, I believe, one all tournament in the game. So it's going to be tough for Spain, who technically aren't as clinical as they used to be. I say that, but they've also scored like four or five goals in the last few games. So it's going to be an interesting game because I think it will come down to who can stop uh, the attacking side. And I think Italy is set up to do that more with Chiellini and Bonucci, who are well in their 30s, but acting like they're in their 20s. Right. Some great analysis there. So it sounds like both of you guys are backing Italy to push past Spain. And I think based on the analysis you guys have said, I would have to agree with Ben. I just don't think it's going to be as easy as it sounds like it's going to be knockout stages. Anybody can beat anybody. We say this all the time, but it just takes one goal. And I want to get one more word from both of you guys before we move on to the next game. Alvaro Morata has taken a lot of slack. In fact, I've gone ahead and read some things online about how he struggled, not just at Chelsea, but other teams where, when he doesn't perform, which we know he's had some high-profile misses, probably should put the ball in the net when he shouldn't, he's got a lot of online flack, for lack of a better word, where they threaten his family, they threaten his kids, and it's a difficult situation to hear about. So we don't like to hear those things, but overall, I want to get your thoughts, Raul, since you were talking, stick with you about Alvaro Morata first. It's a tough one because as passionate fans of a club or a country – you want your players to do well. You you think you can do better than them. And so when they are missing chances like Murata does, you want to throw abuse at him. And that's as a fan, that's fine when you do it at, on the pitch towards a player in a respectful manner. But attacking his family and his kid and his wife, that's uncalled for because they're they're not on the pitch trying to score a goal for your nation. They're just related to the player that is supposed to be doing what you expect of him. But he's also scored a great goal in this tournament uh, in that volley. I forget who it was against. I think Croatia. And so yeah. he does he does give it his all on the pitch, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, he's played for some great clubs in Chelsea, Juventus, Real Madrid. So clearly people are seeing that there is a player there. On the pitch, when you miss one-on-one, anybody can miss it. I've seen Messi miss it. I saw Muller miss a one-on-one the other day. So it's just part of the game. Yeah. Alex, quickly, your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's a quality player. It's just 
I don't know, he clearly his high profile misses aren't well received. And as Rahul said, you can understand that. I think personally as a Chelsea fan, I, I think it's interesting to see how Timo Werner probably received a lot more support from Chelsea fans than Murata did. Though I do think that's justified in a sense because Werner has very, very clearly contributed off the ball through his work rate, through his defensive awareness, through his runs, um, even when he's on a bit of a scoring drought now and then. Um, but I, I agree with Rahul. There's no, there's no excuse for abusing a player's family and, and sending threats online. I think you're allowed to be unhappy. You're allowed to yell at your TV. If you're on the pitch, you're allowed to moan and groan that he's missed a chance, or if you're in the stands, rather. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, you just have to accept that these guys are professionals. Murata is a quality player, or he wouldn't be where he is now. Um, so respect to him, but respectfully, I hope he is firing blanks tomorrow. And so we solidify both of you guys' stance as Italy moving through. Next game we want to talk about, guys, is Denmark versus England. And Rahul, you had talked about Italy having a very good defensive record. I believe they've only conceded two goals this entire tournament. A team that hasn't conceded any goals this entire tournament is England and Jordan Pickford. And might I add that we have all been very, very critical of Jordan Pickford in the past, given his current season with Everton. I'll start with you first, Rahul. Denmark versus England. And remember, Denmark are on a fairy tale run. They are. And it, it, this is the tough one because all the pressure is on England. They come in as the favorites. They're the home team. I saw somewhere that Danish fans were only offered 2,000 tickets out of 58,000. So you'd best believe that that stadium is going to be filled with passionate English fans that want to see their team make it to the final. And so that pressure coupled with Denmark's fairy tale run, which if they score first, I think that pressure just builds on England. Uh, it's, a, it's a great game, and it's one that England are in a position to, to, to falter at because we've seen that against Croatia, who were a fairy tale in the 2018 World Cup, and England were the favorites going into it, and they didn't make it. So hopefully they've learned from that, and, and the fans and the home field advantage for England is the, the deciding factor for them because I think Denmark are going to put up a big, big fight because they see that they're game away from the final. And for them, it's a major, major achievement to even be this far. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Alex, your thoughts on this particular game? Yeah, I I do think it's going to be a tough one. I I have a weird ominous looming feeling that after all my Southgate criticism England are going to fumble their way to the Euro 2020 trophy so I could see them going all the way here I could see them getting past Denmark they certainly have the quality to do so and I don't think it's it's disrespectful to Denmark to say that in terms of pure critically acclaimed transfer fee backed quality in terms of the actual prices and profiles of the players on the pitch, England should be taking this one. But like we've said a bajillion times now, it's knockout football. You never know what's going to happen. That's the beauty of it. And I hope, I hope Denmark continue this fairy tale run. Jackie, I hope they prove your bracket right and get all the way to the final. Um, and I think, I think they can do it. Um, 
The issue for me is just going to be England's individual quality, which I still at this point maintain is winning them matches. And I think it could win them this match unless Denmark are very, very good at shutting down those attacking talents. Yeah, Alex, I have to agree with you for this particular game. Rahul and I have been big England fans since I can remember, especially growing up watching the Premier League. So I've always said that my heart will follow England, but just watching Denmark play and and having this fantasy run to the final is something incredible. And you're talking about individual brilliance. I do agree with you. I think England individually has some incredible players, probably, dare I say, better than the golden generation that I knew growing up. So it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. And, and to see Denmark play England and maybe potentially pip past them would be unbelievable. But maybe we hold those conversations for the next episode. I don't know. What do you think, Rahul? Yeah, I agree. It's going to be, both games are going to be fantastic. And uh, it's that, that time of the tournament where, you know, everyone puts everything on the line and it doesn't matter who scores first or scores two goals, because we've seen in this tournament, the last few rounds that people have bounced back from three, one down two one down. And so it's going to be great. And I'm excited to see what comes right right before we wrap it up on the semifinals. I wanted to touch on Reese James. Uh, I said, he, was not involved in the quarterfinals and had a tweet out that said, come on England and uh, charging up and looking forward to the semifinals. And someone responded to him and said, you didn't even play. And I think his response was, there's no I in team. We do this together. Uh, And so credit to him. That's a great comeback and attitude for a young lad, which we've commented on him all season long, but he's still doing it for England off the bench uh, or on the bench, I should say. And, a uh, great option for Southgate to have. So kudos to the young man. So moving on to, I guess, Alex's favorite segment, which is the fantasy uh, Euros, because he is still high flying in, in that league. Uh, Jackie and myself aren't doing too well. So Alex, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, the fantasy Euro league is still unfolding uh there's a lot of drama in there personally i had a pretty good week um i was able to pull let me see what it was i was able to pull 66 points in the quarterfinals which was quite good coming off a 25 point round of 16 um harry king getting it done for me as captain was big insigne with a goal sterling doing well lukaku doing well and luke shaw i had in my team who was a great pick with 12 points for the week so That worked out pretty well for me, and it has me up in 31st place. I think my original goal was to get top 20. I'm not quite there, but I am within striking distance if these next couple rounds go well. So I am am currently not too displeased, especially with the fact that I believe there was one round I I meant to make a few more changes and didn't. Um, Currently, though, we're still top of the table with Haka Army. Sagar Ghosh seems to be bringing in the wins. And it looks like 50 points in the quarterfinals, another strong showing. And curious, Jorginho, though, is keeping things tight with a 73-point quarterfinal. Luke Shaw captained. Impressive foresight there. Harry Kane, Sterling, Insigne, and Schick all in the team as well. So well done to you guys for keeping it close. And Giroud Sandstorm is still up up there uh, making a fight to the end. So well done. I'll, I'll let you guys discuss your league positions. Wow. 
I'm surprised that Alex just jumped right into that role. Maybe you should go first so I can I can wrap this up on a, on a low note. See how he covered 31 and like up and then he's like, you guys do, yeah. do the rest. Um, so unlike Alex, I forgot to make changes for the quarterfinals. So I went in with like four players that were eligible to play. Uh, and that dropped me about 30 spaces and I'm now sitting in about on 95 actually so I'm kind of back where we started Jackie when uh, you and I spoke a few episodes ago yeah that's incredible to be in 95th position Rahul I've been rather busy as you guys know I missed the last episode no excuses though I have to raise my hand up and say that's quite shameful um my team name is I wanna win this there's no team of Warner left in this Euros and I'm not going to be winning the 109th position with 169 points so maybe i'll pay a little bit better attention to the premier league fantasy league we're going to be doing and hopefully i can get a little bit closer to the top 10 there absolutely but yeah guys we're almost at the end and alex is pushing for the top 20 spots uh some of the guys that we mentioned at the top haka army cures Jorginho. i'm sure they'll be pushing for the first spot because we do have a prize for the winner uh and so couple more games left here and we'll see who wins it but it's exciting and it's been great fun and to all the 142 people that joined the league thank you very much uh, and as Jackie mentioned we will be starting the fantasy premier league uh, after this one's end so we'll look forward to seeing you all back in that one but before we wrap it up any parting thoughts from you Alex I don't think so go Forza Italia is my, <laughs> my parting thought nice how about you Jackie it's coming home I'm excited to see the fantasy and the fairy tale and the excitement of Denmark making it this far. I don't know if it's coming home yet, but it's getting really close. So maybe waistcoat football will, will fight Forza Italia in the final. We'll find out. That'll be a, a fun final for sure. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening and tuning in to our YouTube channel. Uh, please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Instagram, YouTube, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. Uh, as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back later this week to do a semifinal review and a final preview. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels.